Good morning. I'm delighted to be here with you at St. Philip's. Even though this church is empty of people, it is still filled with the power and the presence of Christ, his resurrection, and his Holy Spirit. Wherever you are watching this, I pray that you might join me in prayer, bowing your heads wherever it may be appropriate. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the wind and cleanse, come as the fire and burn. Convert and consecrate our lives for our great good and for the greater glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. If there is a lovelier story in the Gospel of St. Luke than this narrative of the road to Emmaus, I'm not aware of it. It has a numinous glow about it, a, a sense of holy awe and wonder that pervades every sentence of the text. And the first thing to notice is the fact that there are two of them. They travel together, Cleopas and the unnamed companion. The Christian life was never designed to be lived alone. I suppose that's what makes this quarantine that we're under so difficult for us as believers. Not because we're there in fear, but because so often we're there alone. We are meant to travel as companions in this Christian journey, whether it be a Bible study that gathers on a Monday morning or a, a rector's study on Wednesday night, or, of course, the great gathering that happens here in this wonderful church, Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. It breaks up our, what C.S. Lewis called our solitary conceit which is where he was living before he made this leap of faith and actually attended a parish church. And he looked around at those with whom he was worshiping, and it's hard to imagine for many of us how boring uh, a parish church in England in 1930 could be. But he looked around at the, the people gathered, the, the swarmy uh, but butcher and a lady uh, across the aisle from him in elastic boots. He said the hymns were fifth-rate poems and sixth-rate tunes, but he noticed these gathering of saints, singing them with devotion and benefit. And he thought to himself, He's, I'm not worthy to clean those elastic boots. He said, it got me out of my solitary conceit. We travel this road together, my friends, for most likely we do not travel it at all. And if by some heroic effort, like some anchorite or some spiritual hermit, we somehow or another find ourselves living the Christian life without the body of Christ, we don't do it very well. This spiritual road is to be traveled with others. As St. John of the Cross said, the virtuous soul that is alone is like the burning coal 
that is alone. It will grow colder rather than hotter. So that's the first thing to notice about this story. They travel together. The second thing to notice about these two is that they are lost. Not geographically lost, but spiritually lost. Spiritually perplexed, even confused. They're talking about all of this perplexity, this confusion, when a stranger joins them and asks what they are conversing about. The text said, they stood still and looked sad. Their sadness makes them impatient, even a little agitated. There are times that our sadness, even if we're not aware of it being there, makes us a little impatient, agitated with others. If we have to wait too long at a cashier counter, we can become uh, critical of the one who's trying to do her job. Have a, a narrative going on in our mind of negativity. We can become agitated with those whom we live with, especially when we're confined day after day after day in the same home. Their sadness makes them impatient. And their words are filled with the unfortunate things that have happened. Not only to them, but to their world. And the hope they had for better things. So they say to the stranger when he joins them, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? And the stranger said to them, what things? What things about Jesus of Nazareth that we saw was a prophet mighty in word and in deed, but the chief priests and Pharisees crucified him, and we had thought, we had hoped. They speak of hope lost of things not found, but him they did not see. They go on to say how the women went to the tomb on Easter morning, what we think of as Easter morning, and they found the tomb empty, but they saw some angels who said that he had risen. And some of our group, they say, ran to the tomb and found it just as they said, but him they did not see. Henry Nouwen writes of these two travelers on the road to Emmaus, they had become two lost human beings, walking home without a home, returning to what had become a dark memory. In many ways we are like them. In many ways, we travel the road of life having lost something. That's the word, loss. That is something we all share together. 
We all have lost something along this pathway of life. As we've journeyed through life, if we look carefully into another's face, we'll see it there at certain moments. You can see it in another's face, uh, the dreams that they once had that are gone. The young boy throwing the ball in the backyard filled with expectations of what he might be on the athletic field. The young couple who began the marriage with high hopes, great dreams. The mother who brought home her little child in a bundle of blankets and her heart filled with warm dreams of what the child would be. And little by little, the dreams go. And in comes sadness. Romances that began in dreams end with, sometimes with re restraining orders. Marriages that seemed like they would go on forever end at a graveside. It may have been only a childhood dream that you've lost. A friendship left behind. Or maybe it's something unspeakably agonizing. But we travel this road together, and like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we travel it with loss in our hearts. It's an odd thing I've noticed during this time of quarantine. As I've gone out for a jog or a walk, far more people out walking than normally there in, in downtown Charleston. Oh, I don't mean on King Street. I mean other quieter streets. And somehow or another, even when you don't know the person, there is a knowing nod that we are sharing something in this journey of life. Strangers we may be with one another, but we share something. Something that we know is not there, and something that we hope is. And as alongside of us, we who are believers, and even those who are not, alongside us comes a traveler. Perhaps he's there with you this morning, a stranger. Christ comes as he came to Cleopas and his un unnamed companion. Sometimes like theirs, our eyes are kept from seeing him. That's what Luke tells us. Their eyes were kept from seeing them. Oh, well, there's all sorts of explanations as to what caused their eyes to be unable to recognize the one whom they had spent three years following and all but worshiping. Eugene Lowry, a, a professor of homiletics, tells a story that happened to him some 25 plus years ago. He said, I was going through a, a very sad time in my life, and I had two friends, Tex and, and Peggy. Tex and Peggy Sample. Peggy was a, a, was a wonderful a soprano and quite a, a, an excellent artist. 
And they, knowing that I was going through a sad time, invited me for, to their home for a birthday party. And as, I, uh, as he was saying, uh, she was a wonderful artist and she had painted a new picture, a new portrait. And it hung over the mantelpiece in the living room and they kept finding reasons to have him come and go through the living room. And of course, each time he went, they all glanced up at the painting, and so he did too. And it was, he said, a, a painting of a sad clown. And eventually, getting frustrated that uh, Dr. Lowry didn't seem to recognize who, was the, who the painting was of, they took him in front of the painting, stopped him, grabbed hold of his arm, and said, look now, uh, do you recognize the person? And Dr. Lowry said, well, he looks familiar, but I can't place him. They said, it's you. Peggy painted the picture of you going through a sad time in your life. He said, once they told me, I could see it was a perfect rendition. But I couldn't imagine that she would do that for me. And what our eyes can, our minds cannot imagine, often our eyes cannot see. Well, that's part of the explanation, perhaps, of these two on the road to Emmaus. They had no mind to imagine that their crucified friend was alive. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's something else but there are times, are there not, that we cannot recognize Christ even when he's with us. Our hearts are too sad, our eyes too downcast, our imaginations wrapped with the loss, the losses of our lives, blinded by all the difficult things we're going through, but in the midst of it, Christ walks with us, just as he asked those two travelers on the road to Emmaus, he asks us, what are you thinking about this morning? What's running through your mind? What is the dialogue of your life this morning as you uh, participate in this worship service, wherever you may be? Notice how humble our Lord is. Though he is clothed with resurrected glory, with all the newness of, of risen life, he is still ever the servant. He lets them tell him of their sadness and of their disappointments, their hopes crushed, of what the, they hoped would be. He lets them even lecture him. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know these things? What things, he said. The things about Jesus of Nazareth, how we thought he was going to redeem Israel from her suffering. Little did they know that Jesus was redeeming Israel and them through his suffering. When Jesus began to teach them the scriptures, when they began to see themselves in and their world their disappointments and saw their hopes crushed in the larger context of the Bible, 
their hearts began to burn within them. I've, I've noticed something that I hardly even need to say since living here in Charleston in South Carolina for the last 13 years that many Southerners are very much connected with their family roots and origins. They know the history of their family. They recount it to themselves and others. I began to be so concerned about mine since being here, I took one of those Ancestry.com tests. You know, you put the saliva in and you mail it off and then you begin to discover certain things. And I must say, I had grown up as a child all my life hearing that we had some ancestor that was on the Mayflower, but I had never traced it and never seen any evidence of it. And so that was lingering back there. And as I began getting more and more information, lo and behold, I had two ancestors on my mother's side that were on, came over on the Mayflower. And then as I began to dig into my, my uh, paternal side, lo and behold, I knew, of course, Arkansas, but, but sooner or later we got back to a, a relative from South Carolina. Uh, it's important that we know the family history, but it's far more important that we know the history of the people of God and their redemption because we cannot understand our lives. We cannot understand our losses and our hopes accurately until we understand them in the context of the great narrative of the people of God. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, it's far more important that we know the history that God has woven through the Word of God than it is that we know even our own history because we cannot understand our history without His. Did not our hearts burn within us when he interpreted the scriptures to us? As he unpacked them and he began to see everything from Moses on through the prophets. Life does have meaning. God will achieve his purposes for our lives. His kingdom will prevail. It will go on forever. He has risen from the dead and our lives can be rooted in it. Sometimes, you know, a joyous symphony begins with one oboe way in the fifth row back, beginning with one mournful song, one mournful tune, and yet it ends with a crescendo of trumpets, seven rows back, brandishing a celebration of glory. Sometimes we have to open our hearts to Christ before we can find the meaning of loss and see the hope that is a true hope. As Henry Nouwen observed, the question is whether our losses lead to resentment or to gratitude. Resentment can become a way of life that so pervades our words and our actions that we no longer recognize them as such. They have become so normally part of who we are that we hardly recognize that we have become a sad, lonely person. It's here that Christ comes along beside us. The word of God is spoken to us. 
It comes through the scriptures as we read them, as we tune in to a Bible study, listen to a sermon, and like these two disciples, we'll invite Christ into our homes. The text says they were going farther. He was going farther, this Jesus who was traveling with him, the stranger, and noticing that he was going farther, which Christ is always going to do, but not without them first. They invite him inside. Come, they say, stay with us. Come and share a meal with us. It's getting late. Be there at our table in the life we live as individuals and the life we share together. Stay with us in our home. And he, the guest, quite unexpectedly becomes the host. He took the bread and broke it. And the Bible says their eyes were opened. He took the bread and broke it. And their eyes were opened. There's a wonderful story that's told of one of the great battles of history. The battle at Waterloo between Wellington's troops and Napoleon. London, of course, was waiting for the news back home. This was long before a time of radio or telegraphs. And word was coming through a series of signals, first across the English Channel by sailboat, and then across southern England to London through a series of semaphores. Spelling out, letter by letter, a message. When it got to Winchester Cathedral, the signaler went to the top of Winchester Cathedral and began to spell out the message, letter by letter, Wellington defeated. And after he'd put up the last D of defeated, a mist, a fog descended and blocked out anything else. And so the message went on to London, to Wellington defeated. And a gloom and a darkness descended over London deeper than the fog. But after the mist had cleared, the signaler from Winchester Cathedral decided he would rescind his message, which now read, Wellington defeated the enemy. And suddenly the gloom lifted and the gladness came. We had thought that this one, this prophet from Nazareth, Jesus was going to be a deliverer of our people. But he was crucified. But that was only part of the message. The rest is crucified for your sin. Crucified for your salvation. Crucified for your redemption. Crucified to share your shame and heal you of your wounds. Bruised for your iniquities, but by his stripes you are healed. Crucified that he might rise again, defeating death through death. That's the rest of the story. And their eyes were opened. 
and they saw him. And their lostness was swallowed up in new life. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We travel this road together. We travel it as a community. And one day, most of you watching this will travel it again inside this building, worshiping as the body of Christ, worshiping as a group of people who have known loss in your life, but have known that which is the answer for every loss, every sadness, every sorrow, a hope that is unquenchable, immortal, imperishable, and in heaven. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. May God bless you. Please join me in prayer. Father, we are often like these two disciples on this road to Emmaus. We travel the road of life with loss in our hearts. But we recognize also we travel it with others who are like us and who have come to know the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Grant to us this day, Lord, in this season of quarantine, to be people who stay connected not only with one another through any means we can, but more importantly, stay connected with the one who travels this road with us, even Jesus Christ, whose presence we sometimes do not have eyes to see, but at other times when our eyes are opened, we see his glory, imperishable, unconquerable, indefatigable, and glorious in victory. For the crucifixion was the victory and the resurrection, the pathway of things to come. Grant to us eyes to see, hearts to believe, and minds to rejoice. Amen.